Isn't that one of the bedrock claims that we have as followers of Jesus Christ? That yes, God loves us. From the very beginning of the church, uh, it was one of the major claims that the church made. Uh, God loves us. God loves us and his love for us is magnificent. It is extravagant. His love for us is personal. His love for us is practical. Yes, he loves us. And we as followers of Jesus celebrate that wondrous love, that magnificent love, that extravagant love, that personal love, that practical love, that powerful love that sets our life right. But there's another aspect of that love. One of the bedrock claims that we have as a church is, yes, God loves us. But another bedrock claim that we have as a church, not just this church, but the church from the very beginning of its history, is that we don't deserve God's love. He loves us in spite of us. He loves us in spite of our hostility toward him. And you may say, I've never been hostile toward God. I'm an American. And I would say, American or not, you're a sinner. And the Bible is so clear. Because you have sinned, you exist in hostility toward a holy God. And you might say, yeah, but I haven't sinned as much as those other people have. And I would just say, oh, well, that's just being prideful. Because we are all sinners. And even the minorest infraction against the holiness of God sets us at enmity with God. Yes, we are hostile toward God. Yes, we are enemies of God because of our sin. And yet God loves sinners anyway. Understand what God has done. His love has broken the rule of time and history. The, his love has broken the rule of relationships as we know it. God loves us so much that he sent his one and only, his unique son, Jesus, to live his life in perfection, to die on a cross for sinners like you and me. God has loved us and he's shown us this love in that while we were sinners, Christ died for me. God loves me. And it is the bedrock claim of who we are as followers of Jesus that yes, God loves me even though I don't deserve his love, even though there's nothing I can do to deserve his love. I gotta, I gotta throw this one out there because so many times, even in our Baptist way of thinking, we, we get in our heads somehow, if, especially if we've been in the church for some time. And getting to church is something that happens where we start thinking, well, you know, I, I know I've sinned, but man, I, I, 
I'm doing pretty good. And because I'm doing pretty good, I mean, I kind of earned this love thing from God. And I would just remind you that there is nothing that you can do to earn God's love. You know what you've earned? You know what I've earned? His wrath, not his love. Now, we don't like to think about that because, again, we like to think, well, I'm a pretty good Joe. I'm a pretty good cat daddy. You know, I'm not that bad. What do you mean I deserve his wrath? Guys, we need to understand the majesty and the magnificence and the holiness and the righteousness of who God is. Any sin demands wrath from him. Wrath. When I say wrath, y'all want to hear a hellfire sermon? I don't particularly, I don't particularly care one way or the other. I like to preach hellfire every now and then, but most of the time I preach the hellfire to myself because I need to be reminded that I deserve God's wrath. But in place of wrath, he sent me Jesus and showed me his love. And as followers of Jesus, we need to remember We need to remind ourselves, we need to celebrate that, yes, God loves me even though I don't deserve his love and have not earned his love. So today, as as we continue where we've left off, you remember a couple of weeks ago, we began this new series called The New Attitude, and and it's this attitude of Jesus. We began looking at Philippians chapter 2, where where Paul wrote, let this mind, this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, yet he gave it all up and took the form of a servant and came in the likeness of a man and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient, uh, obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We need to have a new attitude about who we are in relation to who God is and who we are in relation to who others are. And and we learned as as we pursue the mind of Christ and have Christ's attitude that we need to uh, get rid of selfishness and self-centeredness, that, that we need to consider serving others more important than serving ourselves, that, that we need to live in a sacrificial way. This is the mind of Christ and how he worked in the world. Last week, Kevin Beardsley did an excellent job, a spectacular job preaching. He preached four times, and, and, and man, that's, that's, that's heavy duty for anybody. He did a great job. And uh, I listened to it this week. It just spectacular. And, and, and he talked about Christ's attitude about our mission. He preached from Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus said, uh, uh, All authority has been given me into heaven and earth. Therefore, as you go, make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've taught you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And Jesus had a particular mindset, attitude about mission. And today, we're going to see that Jesus has a particular attitude about 
how we are supposed to be loving others. If you remember the very first week, I talked about how our attitude is reflected in our relationships, that, that our attitude becomes the, the fertile ground uh, that, that, that brings forth specific fruit in our relationships. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today in many ways. We're going to look at how Jesus told us about how we're supposed to love others. And he gives us a new way of living and thinking. In fact, Jesus gives us this new attitude about loving others in such a way that it ought to make us uncomfortable this morning. Okay, so let's just kind of get in that place where this is going to make me a little uncomfortable. All right, and, and let's begin. Now, the other thing I need to remind you, we're looking at Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 48. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus preaching to his followers Beginning in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, all the way to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 or 24, or somewhere in there. And, and Jesus is preaching the whole time. And he's giving them his attitude, his mindset on how they're supposed to live and think and believe in the world. Now, as we look, uh, as I looked, I, I wanted to preach all the Sermon on the Mount. I really did. I want to preach uh, the Beatitudes. I want to preach all, the, all the, 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 the comparison and contrast that Jesus makes. Uh, in, in, in the, I wanted to preach about being salt of the earth and light of the world. And, and I, I wanted to preach all the Sermon on the Mount, the two ways and two doors. And I, I wanted to preach it all. I would talk about praying, give us the, the Lord's Prayer. And I, I wanted to preach it all, but I, 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 as I prayed through it, I... I I really believe that God led me to Matthew 5, 38-48 for you and for us as a church. Of all the passages out of the Sermon on the Mount that would fit this sermon series, I believe that this is the one that God wants us to hear the most. So let's, let's unpack it. What is Jesus talking about? Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. He begins with a, a statement that he makes regularly in, in this section of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, he, he's already talked about being salt and light. He's talking about how he fulfills the law. He talks about murder beginning in the heart. He's talked about uh, how, how lust in the heart leads to adultery. He talks about uh, marriage and it's sacred and binding. He talks about oaths. And, and, and then beginning in verse 38, listen to what he says. He says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not even resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your inner shirt, your tunic, then give him your outer cloak as well. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go two with him. Give to him who asks. And from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his, uh, his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. 
For if you love those who only love you, if you only love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Verse 48. Therefore, if you, if you have the attitude that Jesus has about loving others, if you follow his instructions here, therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So Jesus gives us some pretty stout uh, analogies, pictures, uh, about how we're supposed to love each other. But let's begin with the most important part, that the goal is to become more like Jesus. See, that's our goal. If you're a follower of Jesus, your goal is to become more like Jesus, not become better than the other guy. See, what often happens in our life is we begin to compare ourselves to the other guy. Well, I know I'm not doing great, but I'm better than Bill. I know I'm not doing, I'm not doing spectacularly, but I'm better than Susie. We compare ourselves to the other guy, but that's not our goal. Our goal is not to do better than someone else. Our goal is to become more like Jesus. Your goal, my goal, if indeed you're a follower of Jesus, that's our goal. And when we wake up in the morning, our goal should not be, I want to put on a better show than Billy Bob. When we wake up in the morning, our goal should not be, I want to be, uh, I want to be better than my neighbor or do, uh, do, uh, do better than, than, uh, than my coworker. Our goal should be, I want to be more like Jesus. Now, what Jesus does to attach uh, this purpose, if you look down in verse 45, verse 45, uh, uh, verse 38 through 44, Jesus has given all these instructions. And, and he's just talked about loving your enemies and blessing those who uh, curse you and praying for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And then verse 45, he gives us the purpose, not just the purpose for verse 44, but the purpose for all the teaching in verses 38 through 48. So that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. You know what he's talking about there? He's saying, if you follow the instructions that Jesus gives on how to love others, then you will demonstrate that you are part of God's family that you will display the character of Christ. Just as Jesus displayed the glory of God and all that he did and said, when we love others the way Jesus teaches us in this passage, then we are demonstrating that we belong to God, that we are his. Jesus said it a little bit differently in a different place. John, uh, John's gospel, John chapter 13, he said, he said, uh, uh, a new commandment I give you that you love one another even as I, even as I have loved you, you also love one another. Then he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples by your love one for the other. Now, we like to celebrate the fact that God has loved us with an extravagant love and a compassionate love and a magnificent love and a personal love and a powerful love and a practical love. We love to celebrate how God has loved us, but here's what we need to know. If we're going to be more like Jesus, then we're going to love others the way Jesus has loved us. 
That's the goal, to become more like Christ. How do we do it? Loving others the way Jesus has loved us. Even when we didn't deserve it, he loved us. That's important. Because so often we condition our love to flow only to those who flow their love toward us. But remember, our goal is not to feel like we're doing things, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm doing okay. I mean, that person's a jerk, and I'm at least saying hi to them, you know? I'm showing Christian grace there. No, no, no. Are you, are you showing love to that person that's a jerk to you the way Jesus would show love to the person that's a jerk to you? See, that's the model. Our goal is to become more like Jesus so that we might display the characteristics of being part of God's family. Down in verse 48, he, he, Jesus sums it all up and he says, so then you shall be perfect even as your father is perfect. Your father in heaven is perfect. That term for perfect is, uh, it, it carries a lot of different meanings, but in this context, it's painting a picture of us growing up as followers of Jesus, becoming mature as followers of Jesus. He's saying, look, if you're, going to, if you're going to be a mature follower of Christ, then you're going to love others the way Jesus teaches. If you're going to demonstrate maturity as a follower of Jesus, then you're not going to fail in loving others the way Jesus teaches. The most immature believers in the church and around the world are those who fail to love the way Jesus teaches in this passage. And please don't claim that you are a mature, grown-up follower of Jesus if you are not striving to love the way Jesus teaches in this passage. Because the goal is not to look better than the person sitting next to you on the pew. The goal is to become more like Jesus. All right? So that's where we're headed. That's what we need to do. The reason these teachings are so important, the reason it gives us, the reason this attitude is the attitude we need to embrace is because we're trying to become more like Jesus. Now, let me just say this. If you're here today and you don't have any desire to become more like Jesus, then chances are you're not a follower of Christ, no matter what name you plaster around when they say, what's your religious affiliation? If you don't have a desire to become more like Jesus, then you are dead not alive. You, you need to meet Jesus as Savior and King. You might say, well, Eric, that's offensive because I've been a member of this church for 87,000 years. And I'll just say it. Being a member of this church is not what it takes to become a follower of Jesus. You're going to say, well, Eric, I walked down an aisle and I shook a preacher's hand and I got dunked Baptist style. What do you mean I'm not a follower of Jesus? I'm just saying. When I was old enough to understand all this church stuff, you know what I did? I walked down the aisle and I took the preacher by the hand who was my father and I answered all the questions he had and he dunked me in a tub Baptist style and I was still dead in my sin and trespass. I still did not have a friendship with God and I was not a follower of Christ even though I was a member of the church and baptized. 
Today, if you have no desire to become more like Jesus every day, then you need to really ask God right now, oh God, am I truly a follower of Jesus? And if you're not, then today repent your sin, place your faith in Jesus, be transformed by God's grace, gain new life from the inside out. It'll change you. All right, so uh, that, that was free. Didn't cost anything, all right. So here we go. Our goal is to become more like Jesus. So how do we become more like Jesus? According to this passage, Jesus gives us clear instructions about what to do. He begins by saying, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you this, don't even resist an evil man. Somebody slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek to him. Somebody sues you to take your shirt, then give them the coat off your back. Somebody conscripts you, conscripts you. An army person walking by says, I'm going to, I'm going to bring you here and you've got to carry my luggage for a mile. Then you go two instead of one. Do good. What's he talking about? What's Jesus describing here? Well, he's describing a setting in which followers of Jesus are living in hostile times in a hostile world where they don't get a lot of love from the culture around them. And how are they supposed to behave? Jesus says, replace revenge with grace. Instead of retaliating, instead of trying to get even, instead of, instead of uh, 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 going to war, cover all their activities in God's grace. Don't even resist the evil man. You know what that, I mean, that's, 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 I'm not even going to fight against you. I'm not going to fight. When he says, when somebody slaps you across the right cheek, and, and, and that's, a, that's an insult, whether it's a right cheek by, by, by slapping them across the right cheek with the back of your hand or using your left hand, which was not that, that unclean hand, unclean, unclean, unclean hand in the ancient world. Unclean. Y'all know why it's unclean, right? Just toilet paper. Anyway, unclean hand. I'm sorry, I'm just trying to be truthful. All right, so unclean hand. My wife is saying, don't ever do that again. Yes, ma'am. I, I know, honey, that, it was over, wasn't it? That, I could have stopped with unclean. I'm sorry. All right. 11 o'clock won't get it, but y'all can share it with them. Okay. Um, so it says, don't insult them. Uh, when, when somebody insults you, and turn the other cheek. I was trying to think in my own life how many times somebody punched me in the nose and I let them punch me again. I mean, somebody literally comes up, punches me in the nose, and I say, may I have another, please? <laughs> really struggling with that, right? I mean, I, I can't think of one time when I was, and, and, and I guess, I, I mean, I can't think of one time when somebody came and physically punched me in the nose that I actually turned and said, you know, may I have another? I, I don't remember ever doing that. But I do remember being insulted by people. And covering it with grace. That, that's really what, that's what Jesus is talking about. Uh, then he says, if, if somebody comes and sues you and says, I want the shirt off your back. Jesus says, don't just give them your shirt, but give them your coat too. 
You know what that would make that man who gave the shirt and the coat? Make him naked. I mean, literally, that's all he had. He had the undershirt and he had the outer garment. That was it. The outer garment was for sleeping. It was a blanket. The inner garment, that was the covering. And that was it. Jesus wasn't telling his disciples, run around naked. That's not what he was saying. He was just saying, don't retaliate. Don't seek revenge. So go the extra mile in showing grace and giving grace. A picture of, the, of the, the, the person, if somebody asks you to carry their luggage one mile, give them two. That's a picture of a, uh, the Roman centurion coming through uh, their town and, and grabbing one of these believers and saying, I want you to carry our luggage for the next mile. And, and, the, guy, and the believer says, you know what? I'm not just going to carry it one mile. I want to carry it two. It's, it's the picture of, of Simon of Cyrene having to carry Christ's cross, right? So uh, Jesus is saying, okay, if somebody comes and they, they conscript you, they force you uh, to, to go one mile with their luggage, give them two. Go beyond what they ask. And he says, do good. Hey, look, look at verse 42. He says, he says, give to him who asks, and from him who wants to borrow from you, don't turn away. He's summing it up. He's saying, hey, listen, do good. Uh, the apostle Paul gave a summary statement of what this whole passage is about in Romans chapter 15. He said, it is our duty as followers of Christ to overcome evil by doing good. We overcome evil not by going to war, not by fighting. We overcome evil in our workplace, not by being meaner than the other person. We get ahead as followers of Christ and become more like Jesus when we replace revenge, retaliation, our fleshly ways of doing things, and we demonstrate God's grace. I still have a trouble with somebody punching me in the nose and me saying, may I have another? I mean, I do. I, I, let's just, can I be honest? It's hard, right? I mean, this isn't easy. Somebody does me wrong, I don't know that I want to just take it. Can I also say this, and, and this, I, unimaginable that, that you have to say this in the church, but let me just say this in the church. If you're in a relationship, if you're in a marriage, and, and your husband is abusing you, then you show them grace and you call the police and you get protected and you show them grace. And let me tell you why that's important. Because so often we think showing, uh, showing grace to somebody is letting them just, just continue in their sin. No, showing grace to somebody is confronting them in their sin and saying, stop. So, so in our relationships, we, we get in these situations, and, and I know, look, I know, and some of y'all are going to need to talk to me about this, and there are details in your relationship that you're struggling with. I don't know how to work through this, and, and how am I supposed to show grace when, when my husband is such a jerk? I, I understand all that. You notice I'm only talking about the husband being the jerk. I just, I'm, I'm cowardly. I'm the cowardly line in doing that, but I know. Y'all can flip it. But, um, but you know, what... How do we deal with that? And, and my answer is, show grace. But in showing grace, be truthful. 
You know, there are things that I, that Edie and I decide, and it doesn't feel like grace to our children. We make decisions, and we, uh, we dole out punishments, and, and we, uh, we confine them in, in, in a cell of, of, of their own making through the consequence of their actions. You know, we, we do all those things. Those are hard things. Those are not easy things. I mean, Edie and I many times have, have been up in our bedroom and we're just talking and just say, man, I just wish we could just stop with the punishment. You know, I mean, we do. And we have great children. But we, we, put, we punish them because we love them, right? Look, sometimes showing grace is just being truthful and saying no to more sin and, and saying, stop it, stopping that behavior and, 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 and that kind of thing. So, so that's important. We need to replace revenge. Oh, by the way, our motivation for calling the police against our husband can't be revenge if he's abusing us. It has to be love. I know that's hard. Goodness gracious, I know that's hard. But the attitude matters. Okay? All right, so um, we have Optima. That's not one of the notes. Um, so we have, we have here this, 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 I want to become more like Jesus. I want to be perfect even as my Father in heaven is perfect. So I'm going to love in such a way that, that I get rid of revenge and I embrace grace. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to show kindness to those who aren't very kind to me. In fact, the, the third point, and it's not going to come up, but the third point is this. We've got to love others. We've got to love the others that don't love us. We have to love the others that don't love us. Jesus said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy. Love your enemy. How's that possible? How do you love your enemy? How do you bless those who curse you? How do you pray for those who spitefully use you and and persecute you? you? How do you love your enemy? Well, you wake up in the morning and say, I want to be more like Jesus, and Jesus will help you love your enemy. Loving your enemy, can, can, can I talk about that for a second? That's not just some intangible person out there. That's the person across the street that doesn't like you and doesn't have anything kind to say about you. You're supposed to love that person. That's the person in the hallway of, of your school that has been gossiping about you and saying ugly things about you, true or untrue, and, and, and your job is to love that person. That's the, that's the person in this family of faith that doesn't think the way you think and, and doesn't want the things you want, but they're still brothers and sisters in Christ. You're supposed to love that person. That's the person that comes in off the street into this building, and they don't look like they belong here. And the easiest thing for us to do is look at them and say, that person is dangerous. But instead, we're supposed to love them. As a follower of Jesus, that's looking at those around the world and not pinpointing people and pigeonholing people and saying, they're dangerous, they're unworthy of my affection, my compassion, or my love because they have a different religious stripe or because they come from a different 
place that seems scary to us. And so we excuse our behavior and we call them all kinds of ugly things and we treat them like dogs, not like people, like dogs. And friends, I want to tell you that is a sin against God that is not becoming more like Jesus because Jesus loved all of us. And we've got to love, I I know I didn't get a lot of claps in there because y'all are saying, is he talking about them refugees? And the answer is yes. If you allow your fear of refugees to determine how much you love them, rather than your faith in Jesus Christ to determine how much you love them, then you are being disobedient as a follower of Jesus and you need to get on your face before a holy God and you need to repent your sin. And you need to stop posting stuff on Facebook causing dissension, causing fear, and really just bringing a bad mark on the name of Christ. Y'all don't really, you don't have to clap, but, but, and I know that's hard. Look, I get it. I get it's hard. But just because it's hard doesn't give us an excuse to behave in a way that's inconsistent with the love of God. By the way, you're a Gentile. Most of you are Gentiles, right? And most of you are Gentiles. That means that you're not part of the Jewish people. Do you realize that Jesus loved Gentiles? And Jesus loved Gentiles that he wasn't supposed to love. He was supposed to hate them. They were the enemy. Do, do you realize that God sent Paul to the Romans? To the very people that had oppressed Paul. To the very people that had enslaved Paul. But God sent Paul to them to help them find Love in all of its fullness through faith in Jesus Christ. And we sit here in the safety of our sanctuary and we treat people like dogs and we think it's okay. Heaven help us. And God forgive us. I know, I know, I know that's not, I'll probably get an email and some of you just going to be mad at me for a while. But you know what? The great thing about this passage is even though you're mad at me, you're supposed to love me anyway. <laughs> and you might not agree with me, but you know what? There is nothing you can say that will limit my love for you. I love you. And that's the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to show love even to the people who don't love us. In the church, we need to stop spouting all these high ideals about love unless we're ready to back it up with strong action. It is time for us to love others the way Jesus has loved us. And after all, isn't isn't that the model? He's loved me. And I didn't deserve it. Doesn't that mean that you and I are supposed to love others even when they don't deserve it? Would you bow your heads, please? Look, I know this is a journey. I know none of us have arrived. 
look, I'm with you on this journey. Not everything that Jesus shares in this passage is easy for me to, 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 to embrace. But just because it's hard doesn't mean that's an excuse, doesn't give me an excuse not to chase it, pursue it. And some of us here today, we just need to confess the fact that I have not loved Jesus enough to adjust how I love others. See, we've got to, we, we've got to stop saying, Jesus, I love you, while refusing to love others the way Jesus commands. So today, I just want to encourage you, in these next few moments, just commit yourself. Maybe you just need to take some time and confess I've done a poor job of loving others. I, I've, I, haven't, I haven't awakened in the morning wanting to be like Jesus. I, I, haven't, I haven't replaced revenge with grace. I've given myself over to, to revenge. I, I, haven't, I haven't shown love to the people who don't love me. I haven't even done a great job of showing love to the people who do love me. If that's who you are, then, then today you just need to confess that as sin and, and, and repent that. And leave it behind. Repentance is a beautiful thing. And maybe that's where you are today. Maybe, maybe you're just so overwhelmed with this, this idea of loving others the way Jesus teaches, and, and, and you're just trying to, you're trying to see how that's going to work out in your relationships because you've got some hard relationships. You've got some hard people around you that you're going to have to love. You need wisdom. And you need grace and you need courage to love people the way Jesus is calling you to. I, I just want to pray with you. And there are going to be ministers here at the front. They, we want to pray with you on that. Maybe you just need to come to this altar and you just need to, need to bow before holy God and say, God, I, I see what you're asking me to do. You're calling me to do. You're commanding me to do. And I want to do it. And I'm committing myself to do it. But God, I need help. I need help. I need real help to love others the way you're calling me to love them. Maybe you're here and you're one of those people who have been a member of the church or you've been a good religious moral person. You see today that you're not a follower of Jesus. Come and talk to one of our ministers. We'd love to help you in that commitment. Maybe you just need to sit where you are. And as we sing about our love for Jesus, worshiping Jesus, you just need to sit there and reflect. How much do I really love Jesus? Do I love him enough to love those who don't love me? Or maybe you just need to stand and sing and worship and praise to the one who has loved you best. Oh God, in these moments... This is your time. Have your way. Jesus, we do love you. Now show us how to show you how much we love you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Ministers are here in this altar.